1: it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today.
3: Tonight, the search for storm victims continues as the death toll from Hurricane Ida rises with hundreds of thousands still struggling to find food, water, gas, and shelter heartbreaking video of a failed rescue attempt as the New Jersey governor warns of a long road back to normal. Plus, more rain headed for the Gulf Coast as we're learning what happened inside that warehouse where more than 800 nursing home patients rode out the powerful storm.
4: It was crying for, you know, out. It was in pain.
3: Escape from Afghanistan, the first reported land rescue of Americans from Taliban-controlled territory. But what about the dozens more still stranded? Holiday super-spreader fears, travelers pack airplanes, and fans fill college football stadiums as new cases in the U.S. hit the highest level since January, plus the state with the highest Labor Day gas price ever crime wave in Chicago. At least 55 people are shot in the city over the holiday weekend, including a four-year-old boy. The new crackdown on illegal gun sales. A small town cries foul. Workers at a Minnesota factory are worried their jobs will be outsourced to China. Unbearable why officials in Tahoe are telling residents to be on the lookout for bears. And surfs up a different kind of therapy for frontline health care workers.
5: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital.
3: Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Jamie Ukas in for Nora. Tonight, millions of storm victims from the Gulf Coast to the Northeast are bracing for yet another blast of heavy rain and possibly even more floods. Flash flood watches and heat alerts are posted across storm ravaged Louisiana tonight, while hard hit communities in the Northeast could see heavy thunderstorms by Wednesday. President Biden on Tuesday will get a firsthand look at flood and tornado damage in New York and New Jersey. More than 50 deaths have been confirmed in the Northeast in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, which made landfall in Louisiana more than a week ago. More deaths were reported in both the North and South over the weekend. And we have reports from both regions tonight. CBS's Mola Lange leads off our coverage in central New Jersey. Good evening, Mola.
5: Well, good evening, Jamie. Manville, New Jersey here was one of the hardest hit communities in the hardest hit state In the Northeast, all over town, you see sites like this, what's left of people's homes, people's lives. Now, these folks got it bad. Some folks got it worse. This silent body cam footage shows the desperate attempt by police to save a two-year-old boy and his parents as rainwater flooded their New York City basement apartment. With no special equipment, an officer at one point ducks into the murky water to feel for the apartment door as a brown teddy bear floats into view, but the officer comes up empty. The door is locked. Backup from fire rescuers eventually arrived, but not in time. The family of three drowned. They were among at least 51 people who died in the remnants of Hurricane Ida, including this father of seven in New York City. Five days after the storm hit, at least four are still missing in New Jersey alone, while the massive cleanup continues. This is going to be a long journey, but we're going to stay with them every step of the way. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. It's homes, it's small businesses its infrastructure in some cases schools and sadly 27 losses of life for many who survived, digging out has been nothing short of overwhelming manville new jersey was hit especially hard as can be seen in this before and after image for the murata family there's nothing to dig out from were you able to salvage anything no
6: not really
7: you
5: Maybe, lost everything
7: yeah a few dog pictures that's all i, like I find from my room two or three pictures yeah old pictures crazy how that survived
5: this is their Manville home after it exploded into flames the day after the storm. Do you consider yourself lucky? Do you consider yourself... I would say
7: absolutely, yeah. um, very absolutely. Very, very lucky, yes.
5: Well, ahead of his trip to New York City and here to Manville tomorrow, President Biden has declared a disaster area in six New Jersey counties, making residents like these folks eligible for federal aid, Jamie.
3: Just so much loss. Mola, thank you. We turn now to the south, where the death toll has climbed to at least 17 in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. Tonight, a nurse from Louisiana is giving us horrifying new details in the deaths of seven nursing home patients who were moved inside a warehouse as the storm approached. Here's
1: CBS's
4: Jesse Mitchell. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were in pain. It was just very sad.
1: A harrowing account from nurse Natalie Henderson, who rode out the hurricane inside a warehouse crammed with more than 800 nursing home residents relocated just before Ida hit. These images show patients in squalid conditions packed closely together on mattresses.
4: And the whole place is reeking of urine and feces. It just was horrifying.
1: Some were forced to relieve themselves in small buckets.
4: Who would do this to patients, you know what I mean? And if you speak up about it, they get mad. Who gets mad? The supervisors. They don't want you to you know, say anything.
1: Are there many other options for you in New Orleans? Not really. Since speaking out, Henderson says she
4: lost her job. They just try to pay me out to be this bad person that I'm not, not a bad person. I just be trying to look out for, for them people who can't speak up for themselves.
1: The owner of the nursing home seemed to downplay the tragedy last week.
4: We only had five deaths within the six days. With
3: normally, with 850 people, you'll have a couple a days. So we did
4: really good on taking care of people. Why would you say that It shouldn't be no deaths at all? At all. It's just heartbreaking. The storm's
1: emotional toll extends throughout Louisiana, and some residents have given up. They're leaving the state
4: any place the lord blesses us to go out of this heat where we're able to get some food get a hot bath and just some comfort
1: the state health department is investigating that nursing home owner and has shut down his facilities we reached out for comment but have not received a response on top of everything else jamie we've learned some married nursing home residents were separated during the evacuation of this warehouse causing even further anguish
3: just painful to hear. Jesse Mitchell in Independence, Louisiana. Thank you. U.S. officials today confirmed the first reported land rescue of Americans from Afghanistan. Until now, we've only heard of Americans and Afghan allies escaping by plane. The rescue comes amid claims from the Taliban that it has made one final land grab, seizing total control of the country. Here's CBS's Charlie Daggett.
2: Taliban fighters raised their flag in the Panjshir Valley today. A declaration of victory over the last region to fall under Taliban control. The last hideout of the enemy has been captured. A triumphant Taliban spokesman told a news conference, the war is over. But the mass exodus continues, and among the tens of thousands desperate to flee overland, State Department officials tell CBS News an American family of four got across today, and the Taliban did not stand in their way. But dozens more Americans remain stranded here. Satellite images of the mazar sharif airport north of Kabul show six commercial aircraft on the tarmac amid accusations they've been grounded by the Taliban.
5: The Taliban is holding them hostage for demands
2: right now. They, We have, the state has cleared uh, these flights and the Taliban will not let them leave the airport. The Taliban deny the claims. Marina Legree is the founder of Ascend Athletics, a group helping Afghan women and girls trying to get out.
1: I told a whole bunch of teenage girls that are under my my purview to come. So we've got teenage girls traveling away from their families in this unsafe condition, and it's gone on for too long.
2: Amid the emerging crisis, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in Doha today for high-level talks with the Qatari government. This country has played a vital role in the evacuation of tens of thousands of people from Afghanistan, helping to find a new home for those too terrified to risk staying behind. The Secretary of State's visit to Doha is seen as a thank you to the Qataris and personally to the Emir. This country has emerged as a key player in the region for assisting in that massive airlift and serving as a diplomatic bridge between America and the Taliban. Jamie?
3: Charlie Daggett in Doha, thank you. Tonight, many Americans are returning from their holiday weekend getaways. Millions traveled by plane and car amid the highest daily numbers of new COVID cases since January. We get more now from CBS's Errol Barnett.
8: The return of college football attracted hundreds of thousands of fans this Labor Day weekend. More than 70,000 watched Notre Dame beat Florida State. And out west, similar-sized crowds saw UCLA top LSU. Still, the TSA reports Sunday's air traffic, while busy, was 14% lower than the same Sunday before Labor Day in 2019. This follows the CDC discouraging those who are not vaccinated from traveling. Back on Memorial Day, new COVID cases averaged 18,000 daily. Now the CDC has tallied more than 150,000 new cases per day and nearly 100,000 COVID patients currently hospitalized. You have to be safe, you know, to make sure that we can travel more later, right? For those who flew, protecting themselves against the highly transmissible Delta variant was top of mind.
6: I'm wearing my mask, using hand sanitizer, just keeping things safe.
8: Most of those on the move will drive home today and tomorrow finding higher gas prices. The aftermath of Hurricane Ida in the Gulf helped push the national average up to $3.19 per gallon. And Californians are paying $4.40, the highest Labor Day gas price ever. Now, as soon as gas demand declines, we expect prices to follow suit. Here at DCA, both Delta and United estimate their holiday weekend traffic was 20 percent lower when compared to before the pandemic. And for those of you wanting to avoid the traffic on the roads, the most congested times will be between 2 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Tuesday. So, Jamie, avoid that window if you can.
3: Good tip. Errol Barnett, thank you. In Chicago, at least 55 people have been shot this holiday weekend, including a four-year-old boy who was killed by a stray bullet. Tonight, Charlie DeMar of our Chicago station, WBBM, looks into the wave of illegal gun sales fueling the crime wave.
7: It's been another deadly year on the streets of Chicago. So far this year, there have been more than 2,300 shootings. Michelle Chambers' 28-year-old son was just one of the victims. I'm
1: so tired of this, I, I really am. I am. The gun is agility.
7: Authorities recovered five guns at the scene, which were traced back to this Kentucky Army base. Prosecutors say three Fort Campbell soldiers bought the guns and sold them illegally to convicted felons in Chicago. These straw purchases have helped fuel the violence. Last month, prosecutors say another straw purchase for these two brothers led to the shooting death of the first female officer in three decades in Chicago. John Lausch is the U.S. Attorney here. This is not a victimless crime. You know, guns end up in the hands of wrong people who can use them to do harm. The Justice Department has launched a strike force in Chicago and four other cities to fight gun trafficking. Kristen Dettineo, the special agent in charge of Chicago's ATF office, will help lead the crackdown.
1: Our straw purchasers are savvy, and their intent is to deceive a firearms dealer. So it is a major cornerstone of our trafficking strategy to identify those straw purchasers.
7: Lau says the trigger pullers need to also be held accountable.
5: Our offenders, they're completely emboldened. They're not afraid of getting caught. They're not afraid
7: of the consequences once they get caught. Crackdowns on gun crimes date back decades, but with the body count soaring, this time authorities hope for real impact. Charlie DeMar, CBS News, Chicago.
3: It's about to get even harder for those struggling to find work as pandemic unemployment benefits end. More than 7 million Americans are losing their jobless benefits as three federal programs expired today. And an additional 3 million people are losing a $300 weekly boost to their state unemployment benefits. In Minnesota, a factory partly owned by Major League Baseball is shutting down, moving dozens of jobs out of state and overseas to China. We get more on this from CBS's Chris Van
4: Cleve.
9: Every crack of a big league bat used to spark a sense of pride in Caledonia, Minnesota, knowing the batting helmet on every pro baseball player's head was made in this small town of 2,800. But the Mikan factory that's provided good-paying jobs for over two decades will soon close. The bulk of the jobs shipped to China. It's infuriating. It's America's game. Sarah Glassroot owns Good Times, the restaurant and bar across the street from the factory. She fears its closure will bring anything but good times. Miken makes up about a quarter of her business. Uh, it was be difficult before the pandemic hit. It's even going to be more difficult now. But what really has folks here crying foul is just who is outsourcing this community's lifeblood. Once family-run, Miken was bought by Rawlings which is now partially owned by Major League Baseball. What would you say to Major League Baseball?
2: Uh, I would probably want to say it that so you got it on tape.
9: Dwayne Schroeder is Caldonia's mayor.
2: I thought they'd have more respect for the United States and small America, who supports all their baseball teams. And going to China, I think, is the biggest, hardest ball.
9: MLB stresses the batting helmets will still be made in the U.S., adding it owns less than 20 percent of Rawlings and does not have a role in the day-to-day business operations. The helmet work will shift to Missouri, but most of the 80 jobs in Caldonia will be lost to China, saving Rawlings at least $4 million a year.
3: I just keep thinking, what would happen if the commissioner of baseball called up the guy who runs this companies and he says, hey, I don't think we should do
9: this. Minnesota Senator Tina Smith says Americans should be outraged.
3: We should be expecting more of America's pastime than this kind of just, you know, put the dollar first kind of thinking.
9: Now one small town's field of dreams risks striking out and turning into an economic nightmare. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Caldonia, Minnesota.
6: Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery.
3: In South Lake Tahoe, California, thousands of families returned home this weekend after wildfire evacuation orders were lifted. But now there's a new threat. Hungry bears have been rummaging through garbage cans and breaking into empty houses. Look how many there are. Police have received more than a dozen complaints about these bears. Now, a remarkable story of survival. A three-year-old boy who does not speak because of his autism was lost alone in the woods near Sydney, Australia, for three days until he was finally spotted by a police helicopter. It was a huge relief that little Anthony only had bug bites and scratches when he was found. Tragic news tonight from Brooklyn, New York, where actor Michael K. Williams was found dead inside his apartment from a possible drug overdose. Williams was best known for playing the character Omar Little in the gritty HBO crime series The Wire. He also had roles in Boardwalk Empire and Lovecraft Country. Michael K. Williams was 54 years old. Multiple waves of this pandemic have caused a swell of stress and trauma for our frontline health care workers. For some, the best way to decompress is to catch a different kind of wave. Here's CBS's Carter Evans.
5: First time surfers usually spend most of their time tumbling in the white water. But with each wipe out, these 10 Southern California health care workers are washing away pandemic stress. Pressure is okay. Very Nurse Daniel Shmielewski so. works 12-hour shifts at Torrance Memorial Hospital. It's been exhausting, physically and mentally. Every day after work, I catch myself thinking about work and the patients and, you know, what we could have done better. His prescription today?
7: Hi, my name is Dan. Surf therapy. It's almost like six to eight months of therapy in about two or three hours.
5: Therapist and surfer Kevin Souza is leading this session. Are constantly projecting to the future what may or may not happen, and that's where anxiety lives. And when you're paddling through a way, there, there's no. You are time right for that. here and you are right now. The wipeouts are soon followed by smiles and cheers. Oh! Oh! And before long, these new students are starting to become surfers. And you still got this big smile on your face.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: I've Got done working like three, 12 hours in a row. Now you look pretty comfortable yeah, now. Yeah, there's something about being out there, the waves right there, it just, it just takes away from everything. Turns out a turbulent ocean can calm the mind. Carter Evans, CBS News, Los Angeles.
3: A practice in being present. I'm glad they're getting a break. Tomorrow on the debut of CBS Mornings and right here on the CBS Evening News, Nora O'Donnell's two year investigation into domestic violence in the U.S. military. The survivors who say the military failed to help them. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Jamie Ukas. Happy Labor Day, and we want to wish everyone celebrating Rosh Hashanah a very happy new year. Good night.
7: early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.